0: This is Leslie Ann Brunt. I play Mazikeen on Lucifer, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio.
1: Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio. My guest is on the line right now. She is a director who's done a lot of projects, uh, writing documentaries, and we'll talk to her some about some of her other documentaries as well. But she has a new one coming out October 1st: PTSD. The Walking Wounded. I'm very happy right now to be joined by Director Ash Patino. How are you? I'm doing
2: great. Thanks so much for having me on the show.
1: Thanks for doing this. Uh, I I was uh, talking to your publicist and when I saw the thing come across, I'm like, this is such a, a, a timely issue. And it's such an important thing to talk about, PTSD, uh, the walking wounded, out on October 1st. Um, I I mentioned in your introduction you've done some other, obviously, a TV series. You've done some other uh, miniseries, documentaries, and things like that. What was it about this particular project that made you want to attach yourself to it?
2: Um, I think is what made me interested in doing this project was I had gone out and I was kind of helping out a group who was helping uh, veterans who were returning Um, after being overseas or at war or even decades earlier, and they were trying to help them kind of get them reacclimated and make them part of a community again. And when I started to learn more about PTSD and its impacts on trauma and people, and especially our veterans, is really when I thought, I think I can make something so I can teach other people what I've learned throughout this process.
1: And as a director, you've done all these other projects. Is it uh doing a documentary, directing them is obviously much different than doing a feature film because it, it's it's real life. Uh, there's, it's not a fantasy script that you're following or anything like that. So I would assume uh, there's obviously a different mindset going into directing something like this versus directing a sci-fi flick. Or aside from the obvious, it's, I would think it's a little bit of a, you, as a director, you must approach it a little bit differently than your standard movie.
2: Well, yes, and I think what's interesting is obviously if you hire an actor to do a narrative, like a sci-fi film, you know, there's not any emotional connection to that, really. You know, they come in, they play their part. But when you're doing a documentary, the stuff that we're talking about actually has happened to these people. And so I think that's one thing that makes it extremely unique is, is there becomes, you almost build a community around the film because you're dealing with sensitive issues. I want to make sure the subjects know that we're going to showcase them in the best light and make sure we're getting, you know, the information to people as best as possible getting people to bear witness to the struggle that they've gone through. So I think that that's one of the important things is there has to be a different type of sensitivity when dealing with documentaries that, uh, you know, dabble in uh, content that is, you know, people's lives.
1: Absolutely. And obviously this is something like you're not going out to a location and shooting, you're, you're talking to people, you're getting their stories and everything like that. Um, how are, because you're not casting, obviously, like you're not casting, like you said, it's an actor reading their lines or going home. This is real life. So you're not casting people. How do you find the people who are featured in the documentary? Is it through like Veterans Affairs or how were they, they found for the purposes of your particular uh, film, PTSD, The Walking Wounded? Well, it
2: was really cool because the veterans group I had been working with was called Play for Your Freedom. And basically, they were kind of getting veterans uh, who were dealing with PTSD issues to kind of start a new type of community playing football, which was kind of an interesting segue. Um, But then they started adding things like yoga and other things that veterans could do who had wounded maybe a wheelchair um, or always gave them roles on things they could do during the events that they were holding. And so I think through that, uh, it really kind of, you know, opened up myself to what was kind of going on with the veteran community there. And it really made me kind of want to step in and get to know them better. And through that process and deciding to make the film, many of the guys had come forward, you know, actually asking to be part of it. You know, some of them... Feel shame and don't want to participate, but the ones that do, I feel like are very brave because I think people need to know and understand what PTSD is. Furthermore, in our society today, it, it PTSD extends past our veteran community to those who have dealt with trauma. And so I think it's actually extremely relevant with some of the stuff going in the, on in our world today, um, even on a bigger scope, even though the film does kind of deal specifically with veterans. So the The men and women who came forward and volunteered to be in the film were really just brave and willing to share their stories. And um, really, it just opened up their world to me in such a beautiful way. So I think it's amazing when you have people who have gone through tough times and are willing to share that so that other people might not have to go through what they went through.
1: Absolutely. And it's astonishing to think about that just, you know, World War One was only, you know, about, about 100 years ago and they called it shell shocked. They didn't even have a technical term for PTSD. That didn't come around for decades later. So, you know, in a sense... It's, it's relatively new from what we've, we've learned about it and how we've defined it. But I think just taking that stigma out, like you said, these people who are willing to come forward and tell their stories, I think the more people talk about it and realize, that, hey, this is a serious thing and it's not anything to be ashamed of, I, uh, hopefully sh- putting a light on it will help them heal, help others feel like they can come forward. And I think uh, this, that's why I wanted to talk to you because I think this is such an important subject.
2: Well, yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, that's the crazy thing about PTSD is we all assume that someone experiences trauma and then, you know, a week later they start experiencing PTSD symptoms. But, And I say unfortunately because you can't predict this part is you don't know when it's going to kick in. So I think that's why it's so important, you know, so people in the veteran community are obviously very susceptible to this. I believe it's like 20% come back and eventually show signs of PTSD So I think what's so important about that community since we know that they're more susceptible to having PTSD symptoms is the kind of if you are a family or friend of somebody who is a veteran, you know, talk to them, see how they're feeling, if you see signs of PTSD or other things, maybe, you know, try to open up a conversation with them because I think that is something that lacks a little. We always assume that veterans want to be private and they don't want to talk about their experiences, but one of the things that can actually help, you know, create a more friendly environment for somebody who has PTSD, is talking to them to a level that they're comfortable talking about the, their experiences, making them part of the, your community, making them feel important. And I think sometimes, you know, we're so scared to talk to people about what's going on that we, you know, don't, and I think it's really important to kind of keep those roads open to have that communication.
1: And I don't say this as a brag. I say this with context. So I, one of my degrees was in psychology. I just did a bachelor's degree in psychology. But it's fascinating how the mind works. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to major in psychology was just to learn more about the human mind and there's so many things we don't understand was there uh, did you have a, a obviously the veterans administration have a team of psychologists and psychiatrists to help them out were there anyone like staffed for the movie specifically that were kind of helping you go through things obviously as a director like if you're if you're doing a movie about the mob you would have a, you know someone who is well versed in mob things and they'd help you uh, you know get the technical jargon down and everything like that yeah. did you personally have someone who was uh, kind of uh, helping you with this from that standpoint? Oh,
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, So we actually have a doctor in the film named uh, Dr. Alan Hirschman, and he was not only a vet who had been experiencing PTSD at points in his life, but he also, um, you know, counseled vets on, you know, things that they could do, and about ptsd and about how it can pop up you know decades later in retirement or if your life slows down a little bit or sometimes the rear's its like we had just you know a couple years after and he was really kind of able to help me understand what ptsd was um, the struggle that many of the vets go through and what can be done to mitigate some of those symptoms of ptsd so it was really nice to have him and then also the gentleman who had started Play for Your Freedom, David Lionheart, he was, even though he was not a veteran himself, which is so wild, since he took such an interest and care in the veteran community, um, which I love to see. So he helped me and guided me along the way to kind of really explain, you know, when talking to these people, what appropriate ways, he made sure after we interviewed them that they were still in a good place so we didn't further damage any of the veterans And I think that's what's amazing is all these people were just so wanting this message out there and so wanted people to hear about these returning vets and what they were dealing with that they came out and wanted to help immediately without even really having to push or ask too much.
1: And it's uh, I mean, it's never a bad time to have a movie like this because it's such an important topic, but it is in a way timely with uh, the Afghan war winding down after we've been there for 20 years. Uh, and this movie will come out October first, and obviously, a lot of service people come home from Afghanistan and uh, the the war we fought there. They'll no doubt have issues like this. Is I'm assuming this is a movie that uh, it kind of needs to be seen because either you've got a brother, a sister, a son, a, a husband, a daughter who's come back, and I think. That's another thing I wanted to have you on because this is such an important topic. Seeing this, sitting down and watching this would maybe help you empathize, help you understand if the person you love has come home and they're not quite acting the same way. I think it kind of will lend the general person, the layman like myself, to give a better understanding of what someone like that might be going through.
2: Yeah. And I really tried to make the film that way because I, you know, and shame on me for this, but I didn't really know a lot about PTSD before I started this. Um, I just saw people struggling and wanted to see how I could help. But really how I made the film was almost how I learned about it. And some of the heartache I saw, um, you know, some of the stories that were told and then the hope that is also there. And then even the the people, men and women who were experiencing PTSD, their desire to try to triumph over that and then to help others. Like, I could not believe how many vets who had experienced these horrible tragedies and traumas came back from, like, the brink of disaster or suicide, um, you know, almost committing suicide, and then went on to help other vets to make sure that same road they didn't take. And so I think that that's, such an amazing thing about our veteran community is when you ask them to take action, they do, and they do it in a significant way. And I definitely believe that even some of the work that the the group I work with, Play for Your Freedom, um, has changed lives and possibly saved many lives because of the community they've built for these vets.
1: Yeah, a lot of times there's no one else who can understand what you might be going through than someone who's already gone through it. Uh, so that's it's such a great community, and that the fact that they are there for each other, it really is a, uh, uh, a true support system. When you've got the you know the the Veterans Affairs and everything they do uh, for our wounded warriors, and again, we're talking with director, writer, producer Ash Patino about her movie PTSD: The Walking Wounded. Uh, you're uh, not only the director, you're a producer and a writer. So this was really all out your project.
2: Yeah, it definitely, um, it didn't kind of start out that way, but then some of the roads we went down, I ended up taking on a lot of the roles, uh, which I was really proud of because usually I'm working with a a much more vast team and that's an amazing thing to be able to do. But to be able to accomplish this um, on a lot of my own accord with the help of, you know, the people being interviewed and the people wanting to, you know, give their time to be involved in the project, it was kind of amazing to take that on and to, to really create the project from the, the very first time we shot to the last editing clip. Um, and that's something I had never done before was create something 100 percent basically, you know, from the beginning to end. Uh, and so it was it was kind of a neat experience. And I think um, that really shows throughout the film too my my care for what we were doing and, and how much it impacted the vets.
1: So you said this was kind of your first time doing all these things. Was, was it out of necessity, like a, just a leaner and meaner crew because you keep the circle smaller? That way you're not introducing a bunch of strangers to uh, the people you're interviewing and talking to all at once? Or was it just kind of, a, you know what, I want to be able to direct this too. And as you saw more and more, you know what, I want to produce this. And then just kind of took on those to kind of just snowball.
2: Yeah, no, it did. It started out, um, obviously, anytime we shoot around sensitive issues, we don't have a huge crew there. We want people to open up and to, um, you know, be honest with us and let us know the what's really gone on with them. So I think that's one of the reasons we started with a small crew. But then when COVID hit, just so many things changed, yeah. and I just, I didn't want to wait for the film to make it into the world, I didn't. Not only, did I think it couldn't be better timing because PTSD does not just stop with our veterans. Sure. But then also, like the film is about remembering to be part of a community, remembering that the, there are sometimes people suffering around you, and there's things you might be able to do to just, you know, help them feel more part of a group or a community. So I think it was. It was really my desire to be like, no, this needs to be said now. People need to know about this now. And I think the film did a really nice job of kind of bringing that to the
1: forefront. Absolutely. Um, with this coming out on October 1st, first of all, before I forget, I want to tell people where can they find it? Is it coming out? Is it streaming on the platforms? Is it uh, uh, video on demand? Where, where can people find it?
2: Yeah, so it's it's on most major platforms. Um, the one we're encouraging people to go do pre-sales from is iTunes. Um, that helps us out the most. That helps us get the message out the strongest. Um, also, those pre-sales, which th- what doesn't go to our distributor goes back into one of the groups, veteran groups, which is Play For Your Freedom, which is amazing. So, you know, if someone does buy the film, it actually goes to a good cause. And, um, and then Amazon Prime, it will be on also and then a lot of the other major platforms like Vudu and PlayStation. So, you know, just check out kind of what what your platform is. But uh, if you want to pre order or order it once it's available to watch after October first, you know, and you want to help support us, please please iTunes.
1: And I just found the website PlayForYourFreedom.org. We'll put a link to that in our show notes. So if you're listening to this live right now on KTRS, when this goes up online, uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. But if you're listening right now and want to check out the organization, again, it's PlayForYourFreedom.org. I would imagine, because it's such a deep subject and it encompasses so much ground, the editing portion— I assume must've been, this was one of those ones where you could have done a four or five hour movie on this subject. So the editing process must've been rather daunting. Yeah, it
2: was, there was definitely a lot of footage. Um, I would say we probably had about 60 hours. To wow. Go through. Yeah. So it was quite a bit, but I think it was about taking the time with the people we were interviewing to make sure we got their stories, right? So with that, it was, it was completely worth it that way. And I think it really helps us weave together a succinct picture in 90 minutes or a little over 90 minutes there, but you know, where people could really watch it, they can grasp what PTSD is, you know, you also get to hear these people's kind of life stories and their triumphs through it, uh, their sadness through it. And, you know, and then even if you're interested yourself, like, what can I do to help? There's some really great things in the film that I think could lead people to, you know, Call their, you know, veteran groups or donate money to a veterans group or, you know, help out play for your freedom, whatever their way of kind of contributing can be or talk to their veteran, you know, son or daughter like about what they experienced. So. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and I would assume again, it, it's kind of people make assumptions all the time. Uh, you you think of someone with PTSD, you think of a, a service man, probably army or marine or something like that, and uh, you probably think it's erroneously you think of a male person, but this is something that doesn't have any age, it doesn't have any gender, it doesn't it doesn't discriminate. Anybody can get PTSD when you were doing the documentary. did you find any differences? Obviously, men and women handle things differently, but I'm assuming this is something that just it 's all encompassing and doesn't really have a difference as far as gender or age or anything like that. Yeah,
2: it did seem like the symptoms were extremely similar. Um, suicide often can be the outcome, which is uh, the worst part of of the whole um, scenario. So we do have a family who had lost one of their loved ones. Mm. Um, And so I think that, you know, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. So I think, you know, it does, it seems to encompass everyone. And, and we talked to people, you know, uh, from all different wars. So it wasn't like just one that everyone's coming from a specific place. You know, people are coming from different times of being in the military And I think it really shows that this crosses time, age, sex, uh, you know, anything, really. I think it can impact anyone who's involved in these stressful situations. And I I, I hope that we really capture that message in the show.
1: And it's an interesting point, too, because the people who were coming back from Korea and from Vietnam— who have had PTSD? That generation, you were told you don't talk about this kind of stuff. You you keep it to yourself. And uh, now, luckily, more and more people have been able to come forward. and People are shining a light on PTSD, especially in the military and things like that. How how? If you don't mind me asking, how far was the oldest person? Was it was it a Korean War vet? Was it a World War II vet?
2: Um, yeah. So we didn't not we didn't go all the way back to World War II. Um, but yes, we do have a Korean vet in it, and so I mean that goes back quite a ways and I think what's amazing about what he talks about is the fact that it's he's still impacted by it, mm-hmm. and even like when we showed him the film, it impacted him, so we just made sure that you know we were we were there to support in whatever he needed. but it is wild that it it's it, you know the This gentleman in particular, it hit very hard during retirement. And I think, according to him, it was the slowing down, you know, not dealing with kids and spouse and work and, you know, going, going, going. All of a sudden it was like right in his face. And so then he had to deal with it. So I think that's what's amazing about how uh, significant PTSD is, is it absolutely can sneak up on you at any point if you've had this kind of trauma And when it does, you know, if you if you can recognize the symptoms, whether it's you or a loved one, I think it would help maybe open up a conversation so that they can get help. So suicide doesn't become the answer.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. And I I, again, one of these reasons this is so close to my heart is because I come from a military family and my dad was actually at Pearl Harbor when the Japanese attacked it in World War Two. And my mom said he lost a lot of friends, and it's something he just would never talk about. And again, that's that generational thing. You you didn't talk about that. So hopefully more people will see PTSD, The Walking Wounded, on October 1st on their streaming platform of choice. And uh, hopefully this will start more conversations because this is something that it, it needs to have a spotlight shown. I think the more we talk about mental health in general, the less stigma there will be attached to it. What was something that you learned that was kind of a a big light bulb moment for you as you were directing and editing and producing and writing this?
2: You know, it was actually quite, it was amazing because I think it's helped me in the work I've done on Project Sense is, you know, when someone's experiencing PTSD and you're talking to them about it, often it's like they go back there Uh, they would lose their train of thought. They would, um, I'd have to re-ask them questions, but it was almost like I would be talking to them and then all of a sudden they weren't there, even though they were physically still there. Hmm. And I think that's what, one of the things that to see that in real life play out with veteran after veteran was one of the most surprising things. So I think that really shows if you're paying attention, that how real it is. I mean, it, you know, obviously they know they're still in the room. It wasn't that. It's just like their mind, when I would ask them questions about it, would take them right back to those moments they were talking about. Mm. And it was just kind of surreal to watch someone kind of go right back into the place where it must have been extremely scary for them and traumatizing. And all of a sudden they were back there. And so I think that was really eye-opening for me and really taught me a lot about how to deal with people with trauma and to kind of make sure that they still feel safe and that, you know, they're in they're in this room with us and there's nothing to be scared of. And we're we're here with them, you know, instead of just making them just like a subject uh, yeah. apart from us.
1: Yeah. And once again, uh, if you're listening right now, if you just maybe just tuned in, we're talking with uh, writer director Ash Patino about PTSD, the walking wounded available on streaming platforms, October the 1st. Um, let, let's lighten it up a little bit because I don't want to end on a down note uh, with all the stuff you've done. Did you know as a child that film is what you wanted to do with your life? As uh, did, you, did you get like a VHS camera and chase family around? What was your impetus <laughs> to get into film?
2: Yes, I did. My parents got their first home movie camera when I was eight and the writing was on the wall. They have <laughs> uh, papers from school that say I want to be a movie director. And then in fifth grade, I, well, I, I like to say I made my first film. I'm not sure anyone would call it a film, but I wrote it and got all my friends and gave them roles and filmed the whole thing, edited it between two VCRs. So it was everyone always knew it was probably where I was headed.
1: And one of the projects on your list I have to ask about, uh, it's a short you did called Bacon Yule Log, which combines two of my favorite things, bacon and Christmas. Uh, so talk a little bit about that project.
2: Uh, That was actually a really funny one. So it was a play on the Yule Log video that people would put on at Christmas time and just, (laughs) like, let play, uh, you know, on their TV screen. Yeah. So we we did it with bacon though, and it actually with uh, with Applegate actually, and it actually went went over very well. People loved it, so people had that on the cooking bacon instead of a fireplace during the holiday season. I'm pretty sure you could probably still find it on YouTube if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, if, if my wife's
1: listening, she's the one who puts on that thing. I'm like, why are, why are we watching this? She goes, I just like to have it on. So I'm gonna have to try to find that and put that on. Maybe that'll be a nice compromise for the two of us.
2: Yeah, yeah. The hard part is though; it just makes you want to eat bacon. So it just make sure you have bacon in the house before you put it on. Yeah, that,
1: that's my general status. There's ready, and then there's eat bacon. So I'm I'm fine. That's not going to affect me oh, much. Perfect. <laughs> so the next question I would ask is: After such a, a a big project like this, after PTSD, the Walking Wounded, what's next?
2: Um, Yeah, so we definitely have another project in the uh, works about the Boy Scouts and them hiding um, what they called the IVF, uh, what's commonly termed now as the perversion files, but basically hiding pedophiles since 1920 and passing them on to other Boy Scout troops, other schools, uh, you know, other community uh, activities that involved kids and the reign of terror some of these pedophiles had, so you know, more, more, uh, uh, strong content, but I think it's stuff, a lot of the stuff I shoot, I want people to bear witness to what's actually happening and see the truth of what's actually happening instead of allowing the world to be pulled over our eyes. So I think it's going to be a really important project.
1: Yeah. Wow. No, so no palate cleanser in between. You're just going right from uh, the one meaty subject into the other
2: yeah yeah I usually kind of stick with that just since I was a kid, uh, true crime, and um scary movies were always kind of my forte. So I was able to do something good with those yeah. uh, those traits. so <laughs>
1: well, good for you that's it's amazing. It's almost like you're you're part filmmaker, part journalist. you're uncovering these things so that's that's fantastic.
2: Yeah, I do. I feel like I feel like that a lot of times because the stories I work on, I am investigating doing journalist work. I think it's probably actually very similar to what a journalist does. Uh, but, yes, I, I that is what I'm doing. I think most of the time, a lot of times people call me a journalist and I'm, I always like, no, I'm a filmmaker. And then I'm like, oh, actually, I kind of am a journalist. So
1: <laughs> no kidding. Wow, that's amazing. Well, if, if uh, down the road, if once that one's done, if you want to come back on and talk about it, I'd be happy to have you back on. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I will love that. I'll let you know for sure. And once again, the movie is PTSD, The Walking Wounded. It's out as of October the 1st on your streaming platforms. And get it from iTunes first. That's where uh, if you go there first, that's where all the, the good stuff will happen up front. And again, we'll put links to the uh, both the website, uh, playforyourfreedom.org, and we'll also have a link up that you can uh, get the movie as well. Where can people find you if they want to keep up with you? Is uh, is there a, a website, social media handles?
2: Um, yeah, so um, I've all my stuff is under ashes to ash t v so a s h e s t o a s h t v um, dot com and if people are into true crime, we do a lot of investigative series where we look into cold cases and um, and then we also keep people updated on the social media platforms with the films that are coming out
1: perfect uh, it's been a great mm-hmm. pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for doing this project as i said as someone who comes from a military family i I think this is a very, very important project, and I hope a lot of people see it. So, uh, Ash Patino, thanks so much for your time tonight.
2: Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you having us on.
1: Anytime. Be well. All
2: right, you too. Bye-bye.
1: And before I let the audience go, I want to make sure we tell you about our uh, premier sponsor for our movies, MarcusTheaters.com. Marcus Theaters dot com is the website you can go to to find the location of the Marcus Theaters or the Movie Tavern closest to you. Uh, you can see all the movies that are playing. There are a lot of good movies out playing right now. Uh, if you haven't yet seen Shang Chi, that's out in theater still. If you're on the Marvel kick. Uh, they've got a bunch of other movies out. Dear Evan Hansen is now a movie. You can go see that. Space Jam and New Legacy is still playing. Uh, You can check out movie reviews as well, and you can even get your concessions right there on the website. If you are a Magical Movie Rewards subscriber, you actually get movie points for going to the movie so every time you buy a movie ticket every time you get the concessions like the popcorn and the snow caps like me you get rewarded by going and getting more points it's just a wonderful cycle of movie goodness you can partake in once again the website Marcustheaters.com, make sure you check that out uh one of my favorite horror movies is the changeling from 1980 with george c scott uh it's a great film see Aiden yeah, knows what's up He just he give me a little nod and like yeah i know that one um sitting across the board from me tonight. So have, you, have how, how long has it been Aiden? I'm going to turn your mic on. How long has it been since you've seen The Changeling?
0: Oh god, you know, it's it's been about like 6 years, but I I first saw it with my uh dad, he introduced it to me, and at first I I didn't really understand the premise because I was so spoiled by all these modern horror movies that really draw you in with these gorgeous visuals, but the Change Wing was definitely a slow burner, but I haven't seen another film like it.
1: No, it, it's it's uh, it's very rare. And that's one of the things because it was made in 1980, and that's it was just this wonderful storytelling. Because it's not, it's like you said, it's not the flashy special effects. It's not the you know a lot of the things that modern horror movies do. But it was so good. And George C. Scott is just amazing. As it's about
0: the entire precipice of how the first 30 minutes sets up the entire rest of the movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's really well done. So if you haven't seen that, add that to your little horror movie checklist. To be seen uh, during the horror season. Are you a big horror fan?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, my girlfriend and I are both huge horror fans. Her much more so than me. Midsummer is her comfort movie, and I'm I'm not kidding when I say that. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> no, I I actually really enjoyed that movie personally. But I've always been a big fan of horror. Uh, I grew up in Florida, so I always went to Busch Gardens every year around the Halloween time. Did all the haunted houses. I always loved it. I mean, everybody in my family, with the exception of my mom, loves Halloween, so I just I heard uh
1: I think it was Josh and Heidi were talking about the darkness haunted theme park is coming back and that's down in Sular down there and that's such a cool event if you ever get to go to that one.
0: Oh, I um, I haven't been yet, but my girlfriend's been just pestering me to uh, go to one of these events. So I really just need to make some time and uh, actually take her and <laughs> have some fun. Because I know St. Louis has some really good attractions around Halloween.
1: Yeah, the Lemp Mansion, all the history there with all the haunting stuff and all that. So it's uh, it's pretty oh, 100%. cool to get there. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm a I'm a sucker for a good ghost story.
1: If you love Halloween legends and lanterns, uh, the festival hours start on Saturday, the 9th of October from 11 a.m. till 6 p.m., and they run all the way through the last day, which is Sunday the 24th, from noon till 5. And they've got a special Bayou Bash. It's uh, You you can get tickets for that on the website now. That is an additional event. You can purchase tickets to that, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Baron Samney and voodoo mistress Marie Laveau will be hosting that. It's a, a spirited dance fun with a great band will be playing and then of course christmas traditions coming up always something going on in st charles and i always emphasize that st charles is the whole area down there is made up of these small businesses and we learned in 2020 nothing's more important than supporting these small businesses getting out there and helping these mom and pop shops and uh, you know ordering online from these places if you don't want to eat out it's that's fine you can order online pick it up a lot of these places still have part of the curb blocked off for people who are just coming to pick up food Uh, When you order from the restaurants and you get a list of all the restaurants, a lot of things to do, a lot of weddings. I just saw a wedding party down there this weekend, getting pictures taken. Uh, There's, I could go on and on literally for the rest of the hour, but I won't. Uh, There's always something to see and do in St. Charles. So check out the website. If you're coming from out of town, maybe you're not in the greater St. Louis area. You can also plan where you want to stay from a hotel with world-class accommodations to a charming little bed and breakfast. You can camp, you can find an Airbnb, whatever kind of stay suits your fancy St. Charles has you covered. So go to the website to plan your trip, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. Thank you very, very much again to my guest, Ash Bettino. Make sure you check out PTSD, The Walking Wounded, very important project. Uh, Tune in next week. Until then, my friends. It's not
0: in the way you watch I sound.
1: St. Louis, good night.
0: Hey, kids, are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play?
1: Well, don't be selfish, share some of that money with us.
0: Bit dot lee slash geek to me bit dot lee slash geek to me